Hello everybody, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is another joint conversation with myself and Wim Demir. Uh, these episodes are always really popular. You know, I always love talking to Wim. I always learn plenty from it. Uh, and regular listeners will know that the last time Wim and I talked, we were going to get together to talk about uh, teaching, which is what this, uh, this podcast is all about. So uh, as well as discussing general teaching points, what Wim and I uh, personally found interesting was our relative specialities. So we both run clubs, so that's something we have in common. Uh, but where we differ is that Wim does an awful lot of one-on-one instruction, whereas I do very little of that. And conversely, I do a tremendous amount of seminar teaching, and Wim doesn't do that much of that. So we thought it'd be interesting to kind of pick each other's brains about our relative uh, specialities. So for, for listeners, we thought it would make for a, an interesting conversation about teaching generally, uh, and some of the, the key points that women and I think are important. Uh, and also, you know, for those who are maybe interested in getting into these specific areas, those who maybe want to teach seminars or, or maybe those who want to do one-on-one instructions to, you know, um, some of the things that you may need to consider. Now, certainly listening to Wim, there was quite a few things that he mentioned on uh, one-on-one instruction that I hadn't considered. So I, I learned loads from this podcast. You know, and it's just always fun to talk to Wim. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, th- this podcast. There's, there's lots of different topics covered uh, covered within it. A couple of, of things, uh, housekeeping-wise, that if you don't listen to Wim's podcast, you really should. Uh, the other thing is that uh, Wim is celebrating his uh, that podcast. is an anniversary. So therefore, Wim's doing an awful lot of podcasts this month, getting on lots of guests. So um, if you're not a regular listener, there's never been a better time to, to join uh, Wim on his, his podcast. Uh, the other thing is that Wim uh, does is he has uh, a Patreon page and he does uh, extra bits for his uh, Patreon listeners. So at the end of this particular podcast, uh, Wim and I chatted for about another 40 minutes about you know just general conversations really and quite relaxed and chatty so uh, if you're interested in that bonus material uh, then you can head on over to Wim's website and see how you may uh, may gain that but yeah highly recommend Wim and all he does uh, for, for those who are familiar with Wim's work you'll be fully aware of just how good it is uh, so other things uh, to let you know about obviously I've got the uh, the podcast I've been promising you for a while now on teaching children uh, women's self-defense uh, how the you know the body works and mistakes that we make with with friends who are regarded to be experts in those topics uh, they're, they're slowly being edited together uh, since the last time I did a podcast I've also talked again to Jesse Enkamp uh, so watch out for that one coming I've also had a conversation with Christian Vidovart and we've recorded a podcast there too so got loads recorded that <laughs> I just need to find the time to get them uh, edited together and uh, and out to you so uh, yeah they will be coming soon you know I to just you know just watch this space you know so so yeah okay let's 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 crack on Okay, so we're a little bit later than promised because we uh, we did say we'd get back to them in August, as uh, as I remember. But the plan for this podcast is Wim and I are going to have a chat about uh, teaching because uh, Wim does a little bit more, uh, well, a lot more one-on-one instruction than I do, and I uh, uh, probably do a little bit more seminar instruction than, than Wim does. So we thought we'd have a chat for things that we want to learn off one another, and hopefully, you know, listeners, you all find this uh, interesting too. So 
uh, hello, Wim. <laughs> hey, <Ian. laughs> so I, I think, um, do you want to go first? Do you want to ask one of your questions for, for me here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's my first one. So how did you get started on the seminar circuit? Uh, um, that, yeah, because so, I mean, obviously now I do loads most weekends I, i'm teaching uh some seminar somewhere you know I'm, I'm overseas about half the weekends in the year so now it's it's a, it's a really big part of of what i do but it started really small i i run a small club in in uh, northwest england uh, 40 students or so in total uh i i, I about whatever it was 20 years ago plus um, some of the local clubs would be interested in the kind of things I was doing and would ask me to teach seminars there. Uh, I decided I wanted to write uh, a book, uh, a series of books. So my first book came out in 2000. That was the Karate's Grappling Methods book. So looking at that neglected area of old school karate. And it was off the back of that that I got a seminar request. So the first one I ever got was in Northern Ireland from a guy called uh, uh, Dan Redmond, who's now really good friends with Dan. And I go there every year. And I'm due to go there again uh, very soon and, and then what happens is i found is you, you get the it, it starts a snowball so i would go to um a, a seminar in some place and then you'd get maybe 30 people there then one of those people would go well do you want to come to our club as well and then you know i'd get invited to that one and there'd be somebody else who would go well do you, do you want to come to ours so it grew quite organically you know so if, if, if germany's a good example of that i did one seminar in in munich about I don't know what it was, 18 years ago, and now I go to Germany six, seven times a year, and, and they all, I can trace it back to that, that one, and it's just organically grown from there, really. Cool. That's pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, well, I I I, I, I enjoy the, the, the seminar t teaching, but and, and for those who want to get into it, if anyone's listening to that, that that's the thing, is there's no, if, if there is a magic trick that you do to suddenly have a really healthy seminar schedule, I don't know what it is. I think sometimes people look at the amount of seminars I do, and what they forget is, yeah, but he's been doing this for 21 years now, you know what I mean? So th the reason that I've got as many of a have is just because I've been plugging away at it consistently over long, long periods of time, you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've got one for you then, Wim, if that's all right. All right. So I know, I know you do a lot of, like, um, individual um, uh, instruction as well. So uh, I, I was interested in, um, obviously, different individual students will come to you with different objectives. Uh, some will want to come to you for, um, you know, fitness. Some will want to learn self-defense. Some want to learn the art of it. Um, uh, so how do you cater for those individual ob objectives of the student? Uh, yeah, well... That, that is the primary advantage of, of being a personal trainer like I am, is, is that you can do that. Uh, and that's the biggest difference between uh, working with, with a group and, and with an individual, is that whenever you work with a group, and I, I teach group classes as well, uh, so there's a curriculum. Yeah. There's something that everybody needs to be able to do this, and that's like what you do. You have first kata, first whatever, mm -hmm. uh, and then the second one and so on, and there's drills. There's a bunch of stuff that people need to learn, and then... The, the curriculum is made in such a way that it, it goes towards a certain place. Um, in a group, you cannot you cannot simply adapt to everybody's particular way of training, learning, and so on. That doesn't work. So there, in, in most cases, it's more that you as a teacher present the curriculum. You try to guide people through it as best as you can, but they have to follow the curriculum. They have to follow whatever you have to teach, whereas... As a personal trainer working with one individual, I can I can change that every single day. I yeah. can change every single class, every single lesson that I teach. I can change that and adapt that to whatever the client needs or wants at that particular time. Um, and and 
for instance, I might have uh, I've one client and, and we, we work outdoors a lot. So um, she do, she does uh, striking on the pads, so kickboxing on the pads. She has a beautiful garden. Uh, I've got a, a, a huge terrace to work on. So it, it's great if the weather's fine that we can train outdoors. Uh, but this being Belgium and <laughs> <laughs> our weather is uh, notoriously, um, how do you say that, fickle? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I have to be able to roll with the punches. So, so by the time I get there and and it's raining, I need to have something that can replace whatever training I wanted to, to do, or that we may may even have talked about last time. Like, oh, let's let's uh, try this next time. Doesn't matter. Um, you roll with the punches. So, and if you don't have an entire group that that you need to adapt things to, uh, that you need to teach things to, you can just on the fly make changes if necessary or somebody's uh wakes up with an injury somebody is, is a little bit sick not too sick to stay at home but they want to do some training anyway okay maybe we'll do more stretching or do other work yeah, yeah, yeah. that isn't uh, the primary thing so it's it's always um whatever i want to teach or i like to teach becomes less important and it is always about what the individual wants and then me trying to figure out ways how can i help them get there and because it's only one person, I can change that constantly. I can keep on trial and error. Obviously, you know, after uh, after uh, yeah, it's almost thirty years of of teaching. Um, I have some experience, and and you you know you have tricks and 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 stuff that you know. And experience showed that you can go a certain way, um, and that avoids certain problems later on. So all that kind of stuff you know as a teacher as well. Um, and but but that's the goal, and that's the job is 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 looking at okay. What can I do today, and and what is the best training session for today, regardless of what I think should be done? Okay, in 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 what state, so to speak, do I find the client? Um, somebody who's, who's who's maybe having had a, I teach a lot of businessmen. They might have a horrible day, hmm. and and just being constantly on the stress, and they do. I, that's not maybe the 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 time that I have to show them very complex stuff, and they just want to beat up the pads or <laughs> or do some hard sparring or whatever. Um, and then the next day they might just have acquired a new company or, or struck a huge deal and they're ecstatic and they do they and they're like, okay, whatever, let's just, let's have fun and see you. So I, you're always changing things. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see the advantage of the, the flexibility with, with, uh, with that. So the, the one thing is, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to, it's a friend of mine, um, also uh, teaches, uh, um, one-on-one -on -one. and he says one of the things that he sometimes have so i just thought I'd like a little sub question to that one really is uh, um if you ever get people who come to you with uh, confused objectives so he, he gives a story of um, there was a student who came to him he explained the service he offered and that the one that they were most interested in was learning to kickbox yep. so i said okay we'll do some kickboxing training after about a, a few uh, months of doing this they were making a bit of progress and and she remarked you know it feels great to know that i can defend myself now and, whoa, 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 hold, hold a minute <laughs> This, you know, there's some crossover here, but that's not the thing we've been working on, you see. So I, I wonder, you know, do you ever get people coming to you with, with one idea in the head of what they want and you quickly identify that's not really what they're after? Or do you ever have to guide them to help them discover what it is they truly want? Uh, yeah, so it, it's very common. It happens very often that, that they have, you know, kind of confused objectives. Um, that is why I do an interview before we start working. Oh, very good. At, yeah. at the very least, uh, a one-hour talk that, that I ask a lot of questions to figure out, you know, what kind of person do I have in front of me? What do they want? Uh, which, how do they see training? Uh, what's their lifestyle? How much time can they devote to training and so on? Uh, are they committed or not? Uh, do they have uh, physical limitations? Um, a, a bunch of questions, basically, 
uh, that I ask so I can figure out, okay, can I actually help this person? Because I've turned people down many times because uh, I told them, look, you're asking me something that I can't give you or that um, for what you want, what you're, the time you have available to you to invest in, in the training is not enough. It's not going to work. So if somebody, and, and, and I'm brutally honest with people, yeah, yeah. I, I say it up front, look, if I can't help you, the, the purpose of this talk is to figure out if I can help you. Um, I've been working as a personal trainer for a very long time. Um, I no longer want to work with people that I, I know it's going to end badly. Yeah. And in the beginning when I started working, you know, you don't, you don't understand that. You, you like experience and you think, you know, it'll be fine. But what, what you find out, you know, bit by bit is that if certain um, things, certain elements are present when you start working with a, with a, with a client, then later on they become problematic. Um, and, and, and one of them is, for, is, for instance, uh, accepting uh, certain training methodologies, certain, certain uh, scientific facts about training. Is that, for instance, it's not like cramming for a test in school. That's not how it works. You can't just do nothing and then a week before you want to run a triathlon, uh, start training. <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah. And some people can't accept that. And that, that's one of the purposes of that talk is to get rid of a lot of the myths and misinformation that people have from reading, uh, especially women, reading Cosmopolitan and all those magazines that are filled with complete and utter nonsense when it comes to training, uh, to, to diet, to weight loss, to whatever you want. And I just have to you know, burst all those bubbles and then say, look, this is how, this is how, how it works. This is what I have to offer. And then we can figure out, okay, what do you really want? And then, and then we decide, okay, this is, I, I, I can make a proposal. Like, okay, this is what, what I would suggest, depending on availability, uh, um, financially, how much, you know, yeah. uh, somebody wants to train five times a week, it's not the same thing as two times a month. Um, and then figure out, okay, how can we reach those objectives? And that's the first part. And the second thing to answer your question is that objectives tend to change. Mm -hmm. So I've had so many people start with uh, one particular thing in mind that they want to achieve or they want to do. And then after a while, they figure out, okay, this isn't really what I thought it was, or I've achieved this now. Well, I want something else. And I'll give you one example because it's, it's an extreme one. Um, many, many years ago, I started working with uh, a businessman who was very much totally stressed out, overworked, in bad shape, not in good health and so on. And it was actually because of his wife that, you know, he contacted me. Long story short, we start training. He gets in better shape. And after about a year, he's in, he's in pretty good shape. And he's changed his life around, feeling better, feeling healthy, and, and, and he's happy. And then he says, look, you know, um, I want to go climb mountains. I want to go do expeditions. I always wanted to do that with my life, but I never had the time. Uh, and I know that, I mean, you really have to be in good shape to do that kind of mm. stuff. Um, so he said, you know, it wasn't even an option because I felt like crap and I knew that, that I was in no shape to do that kind of stuff. It would have been suicide. But after a year of training and getting into better shape, he, he kind of got that itch again and he realized that this actually might be possible. So, uh, we, we had a long talk about that and then I helped him get ready for that and then, uh, and then he did it. So and that's an extreme example going from uh, I don't want to die by the age of 50 <laughs> because I'm so stressed out from work and, and then I'm burnt out to, okay, let's go ma uh, climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That's what I want to do. It's a huge yeah, wow, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Is that a good, good answer to your question? No, that's fantastic. The one, the one takeaway, the, the idea of that pre-interview I think is genius. 
you know, th- th- then both of you have a very clear idea of at least, yeah. as you say, in the initial stages. So that, that yeah, that yeah. um, strikes me as a, a very as someone yeah. who doesn't do much one-on-one teaching. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought to do that. <laughs> but I, I, I now see how vital it is, you know. So yeah. yeah. Well, in, in personal training, it, I wouldn't say it's standard, but you know, it, it's very, very common. Um, I did it from the beginning because it's, that's how I learned it, and and also, um, I tell people nowadays, look, okay, we don't know each other, you don't know me. Uh, it, we have to get a connection that we're pretty much on the same page and we 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 can get along. I can get along with 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 a lot of people. But if if you feel like okay, I don't think I'm the right match for you. You need a different kind of trainer than than what I have than the person that I am. Uh, then I don't start. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. It, every time that I did it, and I I thought you know said to myself like I don't think this is gonna go well. Uh, it, it ended badly. Badly in the sense that the person was not happy, and that we stopped training, or that they you know started giving me excuses, and then you know never booked a, a session again. So that I. I don't do that anymore. And that talk helps me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. There's plenty of personal trainers now. If I'm not the guy to help you, I'm sure you'll find somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's, but, that's fine. We do, we do a similar thing, not to the same degree, because with the group classes, you know, because I always think karate, is, it's a term like athletics. It's so broad in what it covers. You know, yeah. you can be a shot putter or a marathon runner, and you both do athletics, but the two very disparate disciplines. So we, we do that there. We're very clear to people, look, if this is what you want, we're the group for you. If you don't want this, I can help you find the right group. But the idea yeah. of doing it to that nuanced level with an, in, an individual, that's, um, yeah, I like that a lot. Great idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, i got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So do you organize your trips yourself, or does the host take care of that? So that's like getting the tickets, getting hotels, figuring out itinerary or and and in particular because um i guess you may i don't know how often that happens but that you have like a tour that you're going uh let's say you go to the u.s that you go to multiple locations but that maybe means several flights um do you do all that stuff yourself because that's quite a bit of work if you have to figure that out by yourself yeah yeah, yeah, i do but i I probably don't do it in the most time efficient way in the way that a lot of people do I'll give an example. I, I have literally flown into the U.S., flown back, stayed at the home for two or three days, and flown back to Canada. Wow. <laughs> that, that has been done. <laughs> right, 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 simply, it would, two reasons. One is I didn't quite... It was the end of one calendar month and the other one. So on the world, on the war planner, I didn't realize those two weekends were next to each other because one was at the bottom of the chart and one was at the top. So the first time you and I talked, I would say I hate to give the impression to someone that I'm, I'm an organized individual. I get a lot done. I, I, I'm not an organized individual. So and the other thing is, because I've got a young family at home, so I, I want to minimize the time I'm away from the family, which is why at the moment I'm limiting uh, seminars outside of the uh, the. the Europe um, because I want to spend a little bit more time at home so but for the longer trips I think like if you're talking you know like uh, transatlantic or down to Australia and those kind of places uh, I, I normally uh, ask the host to take care of that because they probably know their the airports and everything else better than I will they'll get the best deals for them they'll be able to all sort that out for all the European trips I, 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 I fly that often I, I'm, I'm well familiar with every single one and generally I think I know what itinerary will work better for me than the host it also saves the host a job because they've got the job of they've got to organize the venue they've got to get everybody there they've got, you know they've, they've got enough to do so I, I normally just say right okay uh, I'll 
take care of my flights, I'll book all my travel, uh, and then let them know, look, I'll be at this airport at, 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 at this this time. I always check with them to make sure they're happy with the itinerary I've got. But, but, but normally we organise it around that. I also think as well, from my point of view, especially with groups that I've never worked with before, I normally ask for um, a deposit to secure the date. Because oh, it, yeah. it, it happens very, very rarely, but I have had one or two occasions where um, I've, people have put dates in the diary and then through complete disorganisation at their end, events haven't happened. So someone else would have had that weekend, but I've lost it. So, so I always just want to make sure, look, you know, if I, and it's always a small deposit, but the very, if, the, if they're paid, it shows that, yeah, yeah no, we, we, we really want to do this. This isn't an idea and an email. We're committed to it. So my way of showing the commitment back is, say look i have booked the flight so so they know that look, ian spent money on this happening we've spent money on this happening um this is going to happen so i also think it's a good way to show good faith with people that i've never worked with with previously um, previously as well so yeah I, I i tend to do all of all of, of that because vast majority of seminars are in the um the like eu and um as a result of that i'm, I'm the one who, who books vast amount of my own flights the only thing i ever ask people to say is i say uh, I said, I need, uh, picked up from the airport and I need accommodation. And with accommodation, my, my, my phrase is always, I just need something, a blanket and something soft to sleep on. So, yeah, because uh, yeah, again, that can minimize costs. So some of them like to throw you into a hotel because it's convenient for the family. In other cases, I've slept on people's couches, on people's yeah. ba- basements, blow beds, you know, just where, where, wherever is good for the host is good for me. Yeah. No, it make, makes sense. And, uh, I'm, I'm the same, same, same way. I, I, I did a seminar in Denmark uh, a few years ago, and, and I said, look, you know, wherever you want to put me up, it's fine. Uh, you've, you've got a spare bed somewhere. You've got a couch. It's fine. I, I don't. And, and give me some food and water, <laughs> and, and I'm good. Uh, but the, one of the reasons I ask is because of um, many, many years ago, I got burnt like that uh, by somebody who wanted to host a seminar and then didn't follow through, and then you, I was stuck with costs. Uh, that I'd already made, so that's why I wanted to check if if uh, if you didn't. nowadays what I do is when somebody asks for the seminars that look, okay, you 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 know I'll I'll, I'll figure out the the flights, but you buy the ticket for me because mm-hmm. that way you're committed, uh, and I'll give them just a link like this is it, this is the link, that's what you need to do um, to and it's kind of a test also if I don't know somebody if I know somebody is different obviously, but if it's the first time like look you know I I, I don't know if you're serious. Uh, I've I've been online for a long time and had many many requests as I'm sure you have had as well, and a lot of those requests a lot of people want to do stuff and organize stuff, but they sometimes maybe miscalculate and don't realize how much work it's going to be and yeah. uh, actually can get uh, maybe be expensive if you don't you know organize it well and don't have a big enough crowd, and then all of a sudden they're like oh, yeah sorry but we can't do that and then I already bought a flight so. That that's yeah, similar to what you were saying before about the the it's not uncommon, quite common in fact. Where where I'll I'll tell people, look, I don't think you should go ahead. There's there's a good, you know, I I get pretty good at if they ask the right kind of questions, you you get the right, you know. So they're asking, you know, good solid logistical questions. You think, okay, this person gets it, and and this, you know, if you've never put an event on like these before, you sometimes don't know what they involve. But sometimes people are asking, you think this person's not quite getting what this event 
is likely to involve. So, um, so I'm always very grateful to the host, you know, because I appreciate it is it, it is a you know a fair bit of work to make it happen. But but I, I, it's quite common for me to say no. I, I don't you know try and attend one that's near you. I don't think you should organise one yourself. You know, for for reasons that through no fault of their own, they maybe just haven't got the club infrastructure or they just haven't got you know the, the wherewithal to to organise it. So yeah, it's like, like you were saying, you've got to be selective with who you work with. Yeah. Okay. So I've got one for you about as well, which is one of these things that kind of fascinates me a, a little bit. So, um, so like it's the the, the teacher-student interaction. So we, we, obviously, when you're teaching a group, it's different to an individual. So I would imagine that when you're working with one-on-one, it becomes a little bit more unf- uh, informal, a little bit more personable. But but I don't know that for a fact. So I'd just be interested in in your views on how the teacher-student interaction differs between group and individual instruction. Yeah, um, it, it differs tremendously. Um, so I, I teach a group class twice a week here in Belgium, um, Tai Chi Chuan and mixed martial arts. So uh, I'm, I'm, and I've been doing that for for decades now. But um, it, that's a totally different vibe, a totally different environment, and you, you can't do, you know, work in, in the same way in the one as you do in the other. Hmm. When it comes to the individual instructor instruction sorry it's it's obviously much more personal because um when i started i often ended up going to gyms and so on uh when i was still working with people but nowadays i virtually always go to their homes Hmm. so we're in their own home in their own let's let's call it safe space where they feel good and they it's there i'm i'm a guest there uh, that's not it's not neutral ground it's not my place it, i'm in their space and i'm a guest there so they feel comfortable they feel normally they they feel at home there as opposed to a dojo or a gym hmm. so that that in and of itself changes the interaction quite a bit uh sometimes it's positive sometimes it's negative if if the door rings and there's a delivery or whatever <laughs> then you know classes have to pause or there's uh i don't know one of the kids needs something or or okay we have a pause and and it's not an issue for me. <laughs> I, I don't mind. Uh, for me, it's more like okay, you have to interrupt your training. So it's for yeah, the, yeah. for for a client. I think it's a little bit uh, uh, annoying that they can't keep on training. But that that's a big part of it. Uh, and uh, the advantage is that they don't have to leave. A lot of people that I train do not like to go to a gym uh, where there's a bunch of sweaty people that they don't mm. know looking at them and looking at how they train and so on. And uh, especially a lot of women. Um, that that they don't want to just be harassed or have guys eyeballing them the whole time and and uh, or trying to get their numbers and that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of women really don't uh, appreciate that. <laughs> so um, that that's also a factor. But overall, I would say is that obviously, um, if if you're working one on one with somebody, uh, you get to talking, and yeah. it becomes more personal and and you share personal information and and um people tend to confide in you um when when it happens the first time when i work with somebody uh that they confide something personal i i usually say like look um uh, um i consider that you know uh privileged information whatever you tell me it's just like a lawyer uh, yeah. I, I don't have the same legal status obviously but uh i'm i'm going to keep my mouth shut and uh, I try to be very discreet, and I will often talk about people I train, but I never say names, and I never, uh, I, I always try to avoid 
giving away information that could help somebody else figure out who it is. Because mm. Belgium is a small place, and uh, you know they might actually know somebody. And it, it actually has happened that I teach somebody, and I know that they they personally know very well somebody else that I train, and I don't say it. Mm. And then they found out about it. Said, like, you trained that guy as well. I said, yeah, for for about five years now. They're like, why didn't you tell me? I said. <laughs> if he wants to say that it's fine it's not my yeah. place uh and and that goes a long way uh because you prove that to you your clients that you know they can trust you and as a result of that they often confide more in you and and also at the same time i'm very fortunate in that um the the longest that i've been training somebody is for about 25 years now so that's very that that's exceptional when it comes to personal training mm. that you have clients for such a long time and most of my clients stay with me for years um i like to think because i'm such an awesome teacher obviously but uh in reality a lot of it is about trying to do a good job and and um really and i'll talk a little bit more when we, when we get to uh you know the top three tips that i can give people but um it's obviously if you work for such a long time with people and you have the same thing with your students that have been with you for a long time, you get to know each other better. Mm. And if you get along and it clicks, you just talk more and, you know, they go through life um, throughout those years with the ups and downs that come with it. And, you know, when I when I go to a client and I see they're, they're really having a bad day, obviously, the first thing that I ask is, how are you doing? What's what's going on? And if they want to share something, they will. And if they don't, and which happens as well, they say, oh, "I don't really want to talk about. It. I just want to, you know, clear my mind and let's 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 have a, a really good training session." And then they always feel better afterwards. That's fine by me too. I don't try. I don't pry. I don't ask questions. Hmm. Uh, and and you know, I'll I'll, I'll talk obviously <laughs> and ask questions in that way. But if I even sense a little bit that somebody, you know, there's something going on, and I can sense that they don't really want to talk about it, I don't ask. It's not my job. That's mm. not uh, meaning that it's it's none of my business. I don't want to pry. Um, the whole point of me being there is being there for them, mm. as opposed to well, you know, I would really want to know what happened with you because I can see that really affects you. And wow, that would be an amazing story. No, mm. no, it's it's not about me. It's about the client. Yeah, that that makes, that makes um, a lot of sense to me. Do you, do you find that in terms of energy levels as well, there's a difference? Because I, like, I know, like naturally, I'm, I'm an introverted person. Not that anyone would ever know that, but naturally, I am. You know, I'm someone who enjoys his own company and needs his own company to unwind. But when I'm, I'm teaching big groups, you know, I always have this thing: is you know, you need that that big personality. You know, that everyone's engaged, everyone's fired up. But I can imagine that, that if, if I was to bring like the, the seminar persona, for example, if I, if I had that side of myself with an individual, it could be really overpowering. So, do you ever find you have to judge the the energy levels and the tone between the groups and the individuals as well? Um. If, if it's okay with you, I'll save that for my top three. Yeah, no, no, absolutely perfect. No, no, no just one of the things when we're talking, and just I, I, I was imagining myself teaching one on one. I thought I wouldn't want to train under me because <laughs> um, you know, like you say, in their own home is what is this force of nature of just invited into my house? You see, because you know, because that, that, that's what you know. If you've got seventy, you know, plus people at the seminar or whatever. You know, then you, you need that, you see. So, yeah, no, I'll look forward to We can come back to that later. I'll look okay. forward to, yeah, talking about that, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll shoot you a question then. So, what is your preferred group size and why? Because um, as uh, one of the things that I've been doing for, for many years now is companies, 
and it's like doing uh, uh, you know incentives or uh, mo- you know kind of like motivational training and or group activities with, with big companies and and I've had classes where it's I'm teaching a group of about a hundred people mm-hmm. with uh, a, a headset and a mic and all that kind of stuff so and and it's it's not the same thing as if you have 10 15 or maybe 20 people so the, the dynamics are different um i've never uh, the biggest group that i ever saw with something along uh the lines of martial arts was if you remember the taibo craze back oh in yeah, the, yeah yeah billy blanks. blanks yeah yeah well he came to belgium uh in in, in a huge 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 event hall uh, and he was on stage with two assistants and doing a training session and it was packed there were thousands of people there it's crazy it was nuts i wouldn't want to do that so what would be but but a small group has a very different vibe to it and yeah yeah it's not, you know, there, there. I think there, there's something for a group size that is kind of like the best between, of all, of all worlds. Of not too big, not too small. Um, I have, I know what it is for me, but I, I just want to know what, what yeah. for you and why. Yeah, well, to be honest, it depends on the makeup of the group. So, like, if if someone said we want you to do a um, a session for our yellow belt. I generally want a smaller number of yellow belts based on the fact that they haven't got those pre-existing skills, if, if that makes sense. But in terms of your average seminar, I, I would guess, we get plenty of Q grades, but I would guess at around 60-70% of them are Dan grades. You know, th- these are people who already have solid skills in place and are coming for specific elements that I specialize in and can help them with. So, so because of that, um, you, you don't really have to worry about those fundamentals quite so much. You can work with the bigger group. My key thing is, though, it, it has to be of value to everyone who's there. So I have done seminars before. Uh, well, I, I'll give an example of one. There was, uh, um, I rang the girl who'd organized the seminar up a week beforehand, and I said, uh, how many have we got? She goes, oh, I don't know. I've just told everyone to show up. <laughs> So I thought we'd see all the plan now because I don't know if I got twenty or you know as it was we were edging towards two hundred people. So um, now and obviously it makes for a fantastic group photograph and there was a lovely atmosphere. But the bit that was disappointing for me was I thought there's people who came there specifically to kind of pick your brains and to see what you do, and I won't have spoken to them for the entire day. So to me that that's that diminished value you see. So practically i understand that you know when these costs of you know flights and my time and hall rent and all that kind of stuff uh generally i say somewhere between 30 and 60 is is ideal for me so it, it creates enough of an atmosphere it gives people different body types to work with and depending on the hall as well because not, some halls are better than others i like ones where i can scan the room if you know what i mean i can see everybody and then correct any generic points but yeah. but, but 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 generally um then when I normally feel, you know, people have enjoyed it, they've, they've felt part of the atmosphere, and if there's any issues or problems, they can stick the hand up, I can see it, and I'll be over within within a second, you see. But I never like that feeling of a feeling that um, uh, you know, people haven't enjoyed it. Because sometimes, again, what I get is, I'll sometimes get, oh, you know, when I say to people, like, no more than 60, 70 at a push, they'll go, oh, hang on a minute, we had such and such here a few years ago, and he had 150 people. But I thought, well, if he's standing at the front just counting through a cutter, you know, just each Nissan through a cutter, I could have 200 people in the room. But because of what I do is more hands-on and more, uh, it needs that one-on-one interactions, then, then I normally find no more than 60 ideal. I can do 70 as a push. I really don't, don't like going any higher than that. Okay. okay. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, I really like what you said. Is that you know it kind of depends on the level of the people. Uh, if you're doing a yellow belt class or a black belt class, obviously that that's going to be different. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah no, but sometimes I mean, I've had ones where I've had guys where, to the other extremes, so obviously you want smaller numbers if they might need help with the fundamentals, but I've had it the other way. I've, I've had, you know, like seminars where it's all sixth dance, seventh dance, eighth dance, and there's, there's like five of them who maybe work within this group and just want to pick my brains about how to bring some of what I do to their group. Well, in that case, again, a much smaller number is better because you need constant direct interaction. If, if that makes sense, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so, I, so I've had it the other way, where it's it, it, they were very experienced people, but because of what they wanted in that case, then I think we had six, and that was the right number for that particular one. But in general cases, you know, most of the people I have at the seminars have, have got at least a year's training, sometimes a lot more than that. So they're already experienced. So I find that sixty, the uh, sixty top, uh, no fewer than thirty. Can, atmosphere can be a bit flat, more than 60, 70, I sort of struggle to get around everybody. So, But what I have done, of course, is I, I've just brought one of, if I can, I'll bring one of my, the guys from a club along with me, and then that helps, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, Because yeah. one of the reasons why I wondered is because, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure you are the same way, um, is, is that you ask, okay, does anybody have any questions? Mm-hmm. If you've got ten people or you've got sixty people, that, that's a that's a very different. I mean, you have to you're gonna have to pick. Like, okay, we only have X amount of time for questions. Yeah, yeah. And then you're gonna have to pick, and then you know, it, it, managing that kind of vibe and make sure that everybody is still happy that they got to ask a question or whatever, uh, and at the same time not running over time or not being able to finish what you want to teach because you're you're, you're fielding questions the whole time. Uh, that, that strikes me as maybe sometimes a difficult balance to, uh, to yeah. Achieve. Well, one of the things is, like, say, when I'm going round the group, I'm always asking, is that okay? Do you understand it? You've got any questions? So they get to ask yeah. during the day as, we're, as, as we're, we're moving round as well. Often as not as well, I have a rule that if two people ask the same question, I should give the answer to the entire group. Because I, I sometimes feel that's maybe something I haven't explained as well as I would like, or this particular group. So I always, you know, if one person asks, five are maybe thinking it. So if I get two people asking the same question, right, I'll gather everyone in and say, okay, this question has been asked. This is the answer. And, and that tends to help. The other thing is, as well is I just don't stop so in the the breaks whereas you know um I know some instructors feel they need the, the, the downtime at that point, so they'll, they'll walk off, get something to eat. Um, I mean, I'll have an eat and drink, but I'm still there on the floor. So I'll, I'll get a lot of people coming to me during the breaks, you see. Yeah. And I always joke, I say, you know, many people have tried to bore me talking about martial arts and none have ever succeeded so don't 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 feel that you're taking my time don't feel it's an imposition you know ask so i, I and that that helps as well obviously that that minimizes the you know the questions at the end tend to be few yeah. and far between because i i'd like to think i do a reasonable job of getting them done during the event you see so and yeah. that, what you just said there is that you know if, if two people have the same question you 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 tell it to everybody that's actually something that i use that in my group classes as well but i i use that with my clients too and the the thing that I try to do is then obviously try to remember those kinds of things or look for patterns. Patterns being that um, uh, the same question keeps coming back when I teach this. Yeah. Or it's um, the same kind of people ask this kind these kinds of questions or this specific question. For instance, tall people always ask this question, <laughs> or uh, people of a, of of whatever uh, who have certain uh, body mechanics that that don't function as well or certain injuries. These questions comes up, and and after many many years, you you accumulate a lot of experience that you can you can predict like okay, if I teach it this way, that's not going to work for this person because every single time in the past that I did that with a a, a tall person, it didn't work. I'm just giving an example. No, no, that could be anything. Um, so I, I like what you said, and I think it applies across the board when you teach. No, no I, I do the, the the same thing there. Is to me, it's that thing of. of tr- 
because you know I'm a professional at this, so I want to be as good as I can be at this. So uh, normally, whenever I'm driving home, if it's one in the UK, or whenever my backside touches down in the seat on the plane, if I'm teaching outside the UK, first thing I'll do is, okay, what went well, what went badly, and I do my own little debrief. And then often I'll find things like, I, I taught that a slightly different way today, and they got it much, much quicker. So therefore, that's the way I'm going to try and teach it. In, so you're constantly trying to do that, that level of improvement, you know. Like there was, there was a, an arm lock I was... I, for years, I found people struggle with it when I, I ta taught it, and then one day I just went, look, grab his arm, swing it like a baseball bat, then ring it like a church bell, and that's all I said, and they all got it. <laughs> yeah. So I just saw yeah, that, that analogy. So since, you know, always looking for those those little key words that, that, that tend to do it um, a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. So well, interesting. I, I, yeah. I have the same thing. The uh, uh, problem is that um, I, I am very visually oriented, so... What I often try to use is uh, images from uh, from movies and TV series and so on, <laughs> and and I dated myself and it worked for years. But I said uh, when a certain type of coordination in a move that people had to do, everybody got it wrong. I said, look, you're you're moving like RoboCop, and then I would do the RoboCop walk where he's just walking very stiff, yeah. and then he first turns his head, <laughs> forward, and then the whole body turns. I said, look, that's what you're doing. It's disconnected, so don't be RoboCop. And everybody got it. Up until a certain point in time where people start looking at me like, what? What's RoboCop? <laughs> the movie was oh, so glad you're getting that as well. <laughs> you know, that's... Crap, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's such a relief because I've done that as well with you know references from old movies and uh, Bruce Lee stuff and things like this where there's, yeah, 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 awesome. But I've got a question for you, Wim. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, uh, um, so I was wondering if you have any um, students who never train as part of a group. And what, if anything, do you feel they lose if they're only engaging in individual practice? Yeah. So um, uh, the, the majority of the people I treat train privately, never training groups. Mm -hmm. There are there are some individuals who do or do other group classes uh, outside of what I I do when it comes to training with them. But the most most of them just train with me or train by themselves. Is if it's for instance um, strength training. Then they train with me, and then they have their own gym at home. And then I give, I make them a schedule, a training schedule that they that they do. And then next time I see them again, we go over everything and so on. So most people, that's the case. Um, do they lose something or not? Well, that depends on what it is. For instance, strength training and conditioning. Well, you kind of have to do that by yourself anyway. Mm. Uh, lifting weights, running, uh, you know, cardio, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it may be fun if you if you like having a training partner along with you, but you still have to do it by yourself. I mean, there's nobody, the, nobody can help you with that. When it comes to martial arts, self-defense and so on, I do feel that, that they kind of lose a little bit um, from that because um, I am I am who I am. <laughs> I, I can't just, you know, <laughs> uh, change my state. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, yeah. So uh, they they have they, they miss out on the opportunity of working with different partners, different body types, different ways of attacking, uh, different little idiosyncrasies that people have in their in their body mechanics, um, different levels of experience. So so I I do think they lose that. However, I try to get around that by um, by by trying to be very structured in what I teach, and and trying to explain context a lot. Um, and one of one of the things I do is, is for instance, uh, I try to imitate uh, a smaller guy, and I just squat a, a lot deeper, and I shorten my arm a little bit so that it's not the exact same thing, mm. but the range is the same. 
uh, and the angles they have to adjust to are are what they need to be. And then I can say, look, you know, do you see how if if somebody is not is taller or smaller, then you do you notice a difference in in how this changes technique? And then they get it. They don't get to practice it exactly like they should, but they see. I try to open people's eyes that okay, there's a there's a there there are a lot of nuances that you can only uh, understand if you have a different training partner than me, or if you if you if you never you know if you never go into a group, you don't get that. Hmm. Um, and most people are okay with that. They they know that up front and it's fine. Um, it's it's very rare that we encounter a situation in which I say, oh, look, I can't help you with that because you need a different partner for that. That it does happen, but very very rarely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that um, yeah, that, that, that I've got a related question on that, which which I'll I'll come back to um, later on. But that that's uh, yeah, and actually this this too, but I, I won't get ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to stay away from that question. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, I, I tend to jump in there, but um, the listeners will see when, because obviously yeah. we've, we've shared these questions ahead of time. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for that one, Wim. We'll we'll, we'll come back to those points, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, um, I'm I'm going to take my next two questions, you know, together uh, or okay. one after the other, because I think that makes most sense. So, here's my question to you, Ian. Uh, what is your goal when teaching a seminar? Is it different every time? Is it something specific? Uh, and what I mean by that is, do you, do you have a clear idea of what the end, attendees have to be able to do at the end of it, or or have to understand at the end of it, or is it something along those lines, or are you completely freewheeling? Um, the reason I ask is that uh, I've experienced two extremes. Mm -hmm. I know a very, very well-known uh, teacher on the seminar circuit, and he, sh he just shows up, and he has no idea. <laughs> and it just depends on how he wakes up that morning or if somebody asks a question and he might say, oh, that's a good question. Let's do the whole seminar about that. So it's, it's all up in the air. And then I, um, my Kuntao's um, my lab teacher, the late Bob Orlando, he was the most, I mean, the most prepared person I've ever seen. He had like, like a book with him. It was a map with, uh, with with just drawing stickmen drawn into it and text and everything. And he just he had a lesson plan pretty much to the down to the minute of yeah. what he would teach. So where are you on that continuum? I, I've been here, Bob's. Yeah, I I I, I plan. Um, so, I, but but it has to be a flexible plan. But but what I tend to do is uh, I'll with in discussion with the guy who's um, normally organizing the seminar is you know they've invited me in normally we, we want this from you so we want you to break down a specific form or we'd like to cover pad drills we want to work on throwing escape skills whatever it happens to you so they give me this is what we would like to cover in this event um, then what I will do is uh, I will plan out the, the nuances of that around the time that we've got so I go okay this is um, what I, I'd like to cover but by the, the, the end of this event so I, I have a very clear idea of what it is that I, that I would like to cover. I am aware, of course, is that there'll be lots of individuals in there with lots of different um, objectives. So they've all come knowing what the theme is, but there, there might be some that will go, oh, do you know, it was the first thing he taught that was the key thing for me, or someone else might go, it was a little nuance of the foot movement or whatever it happens to be. So I always encourage them at the end uh, to identify the thing that they got out of the day. So, so I, I know what we're going to cover. Um, I, I know what I want them to have covered, but the individuals, I, I encourage them to know what was the thing that you came for today. Because if you remember all of it, well, wonderful, but most people don't. So I want you to leave with the one thing. And I, I always use the analogy. I say it's like taking, you know, like a, a child to a toy shop. You know, hopefully the child enjoys looking around the toy shop and looks at all the cool things. But at the end of the day, they take the one thing that they want away with them. 
So, so that's what I want. Ideally, the ultimate goal is that every student that attends leaves at, at the bare minimum, having enjoyed the day, but hopefully with something they can take back to their uh, their practice and their teaching. Now, what specifically that is will be up to them. But I have a broad theme on the day that that I know that uh, that I, that I wish to cover, and I do map it out. You know, I I know roughly how many techniques I can get done or drills within an hour. I have it all mapped out which order I'm going to do them in. I, I have all the key teaching points written out. Um, and the main reason I do that is to discipline myself because like because I can very quickly start teaching one thing and if I'm not careful within 10 minutes I'm on an entirely different topic yeah now, now so, okay. and, some, and sometimes that can be great because that's what the, the students want you know that they like the little detour we're taking and if they are I'm happy to continue along that detour and then we'll find our way back later on um, but 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 if it's just me leading that then I always I have a thing that I keep sipping um, water when I teach to keep the voice box lubricated and I've always got my notebook next to my bottle so when I go I'll take a sip look and okay we're on schedule is we get we are good back in front of everybody again so yeah I, I plan it out in uh, a lot of detail okay well um, that, that just uh, completely leads into my follow-up question because you mentioned that it needs to have uh, a little bit of flexibility being built mm. into it so what if you notice that what you're teaching is too complicated for who's the, whoever's there? So let's say they're the green belts, but um, the the host tells you it's a green belt level class. But when you arrive there, it, it, it turns out that the qualifications for green belt in their school they're a lot lower than yours, yeah, uh, or vice versa. They're they, they're they're a lot higher higher than you might expect it. Uh, so the curriculum that you prepared is is not completely applicable to whatever level that you find there. So how do you flow with that, or what do you do in those cases? Well, well if, if I'm teaching blind, so I'm going to a group for the first time and I, I don't know them, um, then what I normally have is I have like I have it planned out, but I have a this is the bare minimum I wish to cover. So that's on the assumption that maybe they're not as good as I anticipate. This is ideally what I would expect to cover, which is where I would aim middle ground. And on a good day, this is the extra stuff we might be able to add on to the end, if that makes sense. So yeah. I've got three potential points based on um, how it's going. Where I'm looking nowadays is most of the groups that I, that I go to, I've been to before, or maybe not that specific group, but I've had interactions with members of that group, so I can generally judge, you know what I mean, what, and I'm pretty good at doing it now, I can pretty, in all honesty, I can get it down to the minute, you know what I mean, that we'll finish doing exactly what I want to do at exactly the, the, the right time, because I, because I know the groups um, that well, but but if, if I don't know, then I've always got a, a, a minimum baseline, an ideal, and a exceptional level that we can go to because it can be unexpected I mean, the, the one that always sticks in my mind for that is i, I was once uh, and again i won't name locations and stuff because it wouldn't be fair but i was teaching in this place and i was told that um or just so you know in some of the the great and the good from the local karate community coming we've got one guy who's ranked seventh dan one guy who's right eighth dan you know these guys are you know well respected in the area and, and they brought some q grades with them the q grades got it no problem at all you know because they had that empty cup thing the higher grades were struggling because they couldn't let go of what they already yeah. did to, to embrace yeah. something new. So in that class, I ended up t almost teaching like a two-speed version. You know, so I'd go, this is the basic one, and if you just want to play with this, this is fine. If you're feeling okay with that, this is, you know, uh, some extra elements you could add in. And the weird thing was, there was an orange belt paired up with a seventh Dan. The orange belt was flying through it, having no problem. It yeah. was the seventh Dan that was struggling because it was that empty cup thing, you see. So, yeah, you, yeah. you've always got to, you know, like, you know, it's the old saying, 
the plan rarely survives contact with the enemy. Well, it's just yeah. exactly the same when you teach it. Rarely, rarely survives contact with the the audience. But it's, I'm lucky now that I, I know that most of the groups that I work with, so that makes it pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. And just what, what you just said, I had a similar experience many years ago when I taught a, a seminar um, back when I, I was a uh, um, coach for the national team here. And uh, there, there was a teacher that showed up with one of his with a few of his students, and, and I was showing you know some stuff and this and that. And um, at the end of the seminar, you know, I talked with the guy again. I hadn't met him before. I knew he was a teacher, but I hadn't met him before. And I said, "Okay, do you have a good time?" Isn't that? And they said, "Yeah, yeah." But it's kind of, it was kind of basic. Uh, I was expecting you know a little bit more advanced stuff. And I said, well, you know, I, I did my best to uh, give something that everybody could use, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I obviously didn't say anything then because he was a guest, but I was like, you were one of the people who didn't get it <laughs> and was doing everything wrong. Uh, your student was actually doing it better than you yeah. because he was actually listening and trying to do what I told him to do as opposed to you who, who clearly were doing what you like to do, but you were missing the point and the point, and I, I'll still remember, it was just that, it was a drill where you you anticipate somebody uh, moving sideways uh, because back in the day when I was teaching uh, so that that Sancho you 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 fought on a platform so yeah. you guys in a ring without ropes. Well, depending on where you are on that platform, uh, you, if you get kicked off to, or you fall off twice, you lose a round. So um, trying to corral people into moving the way you want uh, is is actually quite important, and being able to predict where they will go by. Um, you know what you do, your techniques, and so on, uh, is also important. But then having the ability to capitalize on the direction they go and getting them off the platform is the best way to win a fight because you don't have to do a lot of work; mm. they do the work for you. Um, so they was you advance with a specific technique, and depending on how you gave that, they were going to either step back and then they couldn't step back anymore. So then they would step either left or right, try to circle and get away from the edge. Um, and I showed specific techniques how you could capitalize on that, and and he was always doing it wrong. <laughs> and I said, look, this is this is one of the fundamental things, one of the fundamental uh, strategies, uh, uh, tactics, or I should say, uh, to to win fights like this. And 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 you're not bothering. You just want to stand there and bang it out with a guy. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's good for you, but you, you totally missed the point. And you said, oh, it's basic. Okay. okay. Do it, find my, find my Well, it's funny because I had the exact opposite. You know, the scenario I was just saying at the end of it, uh, the guy came over and he goes, well, Ian, he goes, I really enjoyed that. He says, but I have to say, I think your methods are very, very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and everything in me, well, you know, thinks, well, the orange belt was doing fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it, just, it, it just depends. But uh, I think as well, from the, again, like I say, it, my, my audience tends to be a little bit self-selecting, really. So it, it's, yeah. the, I, I can generally anticipate well ahead of time what we'll be able to get do. And I'm, I'm normally, you know, happy with what we get accomplished. Okay. All right, so I've got a question for you then, Wim. This is one that intrigues yeah. me, actually. So, so, um, so in my normal like um, class teaching, I'd, I'd like to get hands-on with the students, but I've also got the option of standing back and watching them get hands-on with somebody else, you see. So, um, as we just talked about, you know, when you're one-on-one, -on -one, you're effectively acting as a partner for your student as well. And I understand how that first-hand experience of the technique gives it a great perspective because you can feel what you know how much power they're generating. You can, you can feel it first-hand. But I wonder if the lack of a third-party overview has any impact where you you can't sit back and watch them do it with someone else you're you're always getting it first person uh, yeah it it, it it can sometimes have an impact and sometimes it kind of depends um there, there's several several things 
as as you teach more and as you understand better what you're teaching uh, and you get more experience uh, and obviously um in the beginning when you teach something and the student uh, or, or my client it doesn't work they don't get it uh, and you try to find different ways and all of a sudden you have that aha moment where you can you know make them understand what goes wrong and how to fix it the more you have those experiences as a teacher the the better you should get i think uh, at just getting quicker to that point because mm-hmm. you build, build up so many so many so many um training hours with different kinds of people where you have to just kind of um it, it, you, you filter through a bunch of ways to bring across certain information and then what ends up sticking is something that works really well for that particular person is that if i if i teach this um this way to this particular person they get it i teach this way to another person they don't get it so mm. you you tend to try to sift through the training methods and the teaching uh, methods and tricks and uh, tricks and, and, and tips and um, you know ways that you can impart that knowledge very very quickly and as you get more experience that that works better so that's a big part of it is that knowing like right if I teach this let's say defense against a punch okay they cannot see my left side yeah. because of the way that I'm standing in relation to them and I can't really show that to them by having somebody else here uh, doing the technique on me. Yeah. So I have to point this out like, okay, now you can't see this. However, my left hand is doing this. So you have to make sure that I can't reach you with that. I see. Yeah. And and that's a that's a big part of it is just understanding the curriculum and uh, understanding um, uh, the point of view and uh, the let's call it camera angles and i was very fortunate in that many years ago i started training uh, i started making uh, instructional videos with paladin press back in the day mm-hmm. and now i still do that and it's kind of like uh, setting a scene um, for something that you want to shoot and then you have to think through first what am i going to teach and then second how am i going to teach this because the camera's over there how do i have to orient myself uh, so that camera can pick it up because if it's not not in uh, in view of the camera lens, then it's not on film. It's or on tape, or it's not recorded, so the audience can't see. So then I have to. Uh, if you watch my videos uh, online, um, and and you do the same thing, you say, okay, let's let's uh, switch to the other side. So you stand left instead of right, uh, as we did before, or you place your partner at a diagonal angle so mm-hmm. they can see certain things. Um, it's having that understanding that this is how visual learning works. Um, and and understanding without having to step out, tell my student like, okay, freeze in this position. I'm going to step over at a 90 degree angle and look at you and see what you can see or not. That doesn't work. You need to you need to know, know as you're teaching it like they can't see this or yeah. what they see gives them this impression, uh, but actually it's something else. And then you anticipate that and you immediately as you explain you you, you can give a lot of information like that. Um, and at the same time. Um, you, you you can as as they ask questions or as they are struggling to do the technique right, you can adapt on the fly, knowing that okay, w- what are they missing? What's missing in what they're doing, and why is that happening? And then then there's a lot of trial and error, obviously, but also a lot of understanding of of the material you teach. Um, is uh, is 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 the better you know your your curriculum, the easier it is to, to just get over the the inherent. 
uh, issue of not having uh, that overview that a third party has. And I cheat. I use a video. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Cell, cell phones are awesome. Um, so what I often uh, what I often do is uh, I make a recording. I put the cell phones against the wall or something. Nowadays, I have like a, a, a tripod for cell phones. and I just hit record. Um, I have special software as well that I can go frame by frame, go forward and backwards, zoom in, uh, draw on the screen and so on. And the people who've seen my uh, Patreon videos, the violence analysis and the, um, the instructional videos that I do there, that's the software that I use. I can draw arrows and, and, and circles stuff and, uh, and really show uh, visually what I'm talking about saying like, okay, the hands over here, it has to go over there and then draw the angle that it needs to follow. So I do that on my cell phone or on a tablet sometimes when I work with clients. And that is a huge help. Yeah. That, that just a lot of people, they don't understand it because they don't know, they aren't as visually oriented as me. So if I can then show them like, look, you thought that your hand was over here, but in this video, you can see like, look, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. And I can't show you that with another with another partner because there's only two of us. So here's a way of of uh, of you having confirmation that okay, yes, I did drop my guard. <laughs> yeah, the use of technology is a really good idea. So yeah, oh, yeah. I, I do that quite a lot as well. It's sometimes as well, even if they're doing something really well, I just want them to see how well it looks. So you know, they're, they're, so I'll video it and just take a look at this, and you can see the faces beam. And wow, was that? You know, it's it's it's, it's yeah, that use of technology. And, and again, that would be like, say, if you do need the outside view, that would be a, a, a nice, easy way to uh, to achieve it. One one thing I thought was just w worth. I, I, obviously we could talk about this in depth but it's maybe worth just dropping in because you and I have done this and I imagine there's quite a few listening who haven't but you're totally right teaching on film is very very different from teaching in yeah. person uh, and, and those who haven't done it including me I just thought oh yeah it's teaching but to a camera and it's just so not <laughs> there's an entirely yeah. different skill set I was lucky that I managed to get um, some professional guidance on that from one of the firms that we worked with but yeah no that's that's a whole yeah. other teaching skill in and of itself and, um, and can, I, can I go on a really quick rant about this of course <laughs> so, <laughs> always so, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to rant a little bit so everybody who's listening to this okay doesn't matter um, well no let's put it this way I've noticed that uh, ever since the rise of YouTube, uh, uh, a lot of people, especially young people, and that and that means for me, uh, younger than 30, yeah. but even older ones, okay, listen, the camera lies. The camera lies. What you see on the screen is not necessarily what happened. Depending on camera angle, you will get a completely different sense of what happened. The footage does not represent reality. It represents a very specific interpretation of reality. Yes, it happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. However, if I can, and I can show you examples of this, uh, depending on uh, what angle, what's the lighting, um, what kind of clothes are the people wearing, and so on, you will get a completely different sense of, uh, and uh, completely different types of information and elements that are critical in understanding what truly happened in the incident or whatever fight or technique that you see and you're missing out and by by not understanding that people dismiss things that are valuable or they overly praise things that are actually total crap mm. because they don't understand how cameras work so uh I'll, I'll, i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that 90 percent of all the youtube uh, and facebook uh, comments on videos uh, if people would only understand how how making a video works and how teaching a video works, they would just shut up. <laughs> okay, I'm done ranting. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I have to avoid the temptation not to leap in there as well, because I'm with you completely, I know exactly what you mean. One, one, just a little story that the listeners might find interesting, but I'll just add in, is years ago, I did a course with um, a guy who was, at the time, he was the UK's leading expert witness in use of force cases. So part of this course that we did was how people see video footage and get it wrong. And he gave several examples um, where he would show some footage and goes, he just played at normal speed and went, tell me what happened. And invariably, I got it completely incorrect. It was when it was slowed down or explained or another bit of footage from a different angle was introduced, you went, I got that completely wrong. And the, the one that, um, I'll make it dead quick because it's slightly off topic, but it, 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 there, was, um, uh, there was one bit of footage where it was, a, uh, it was at a protest of some description. And the police officer, uh, 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 there was a guy who was kicking off a little bit. The police officer had his arm in, in, uh, bent up by his back and had his hand on the back of his neck as he's holding him. Another protester is filming it. They walk around the side of the van and he, the guy doing the course said, what happens now? And I watch the footage and go, the police officer smashed his head against the side of the van. He goes, exactly, that's what you see. He goes, now let's slow it down. And when you slow it down, you can see what happened is the, the guy that was had the hand on the, the back of his neck suddenly whipped his head backwards towards the officer and attempted to rear headbutt him the, yeah. and then what happens is as you go through it frame by frame you see how the officer almost instantaneously starts to push backwards so when he points out the frames he says that's within human reaction speed that's not conscious thought that's the officer reacting to that you know what I mean instinctively reacting then what you see is the push forward is a result to stop himself getting headbutted so the head hits the van bounces back and then the officer still has the tension in the arm which makes it look like he's pushing his head against the van at the end of it so when he's slow it down you can say no no he defended against the head bolt and unfortunately because we're close to the van the guy's head bounced off it but at normal speed you would swear the officer had done something he shouldn't you know what i mean so it's it's really interesting how that that you know you can really get those perspectives completely wrong so so yeah that's a, that's a topic for another podcast <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and just plug for my stuff that's why i do my violence analysis videos on patreon just to to slow down incidents of real violence and look Everybody is looking at this, but actually look at this factor here. Do you now see the knife? Do you now see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why this happened, and that that's the result of it. Um, anyway, back on track. I'm go I've got another question for you, and I think I'm going to take the next two ones together as well because they kind of flow into each other. Um, can you give me an example of something that went wrong during a seminar, and and how did you handled it? Lords. <laughs> 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 and, um, so I, 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 the, 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 I mean, the, the thing is as well. I can. There's loads, loads. Of, I've turned up at places where the heating hasn't been on and it's been absolutely freezing. So we've been training people in the jackets and the shoes. Uh, I've turned up where the host uh, people have forgot to book venues. That's happened several times. Uh, or, or, the, or, or we couldn't get into the venue. Or the guy with the keys hasn't turned up. Uh, I've turned up at seminars where I've ended up uh, getting getting ill. You know that, that happened on 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 one occasion. So it's the thing for me. It's that thing of you know. The, 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 you know the, the show must go on so um, I, I, you always find a way that, that, that's the thing for me is you always find a way so in terms of when I've turned up and haven't been venues one of the guys rang a friend of his who had a class that day so we all went to the, the venue and, and, and we got there um, I've had uh, like uh, uh, planes not take off on time. Oh, that was a recent one. The, the, so this is the, when I went to Australia. I'm flying all the way to Australia to teach. I'm there for four days and I fly straight back. So literally the other side of the world, four days straight back. We're sitting on the plane and the guy. Um, it, 
pilot comes on and said, uh, we're not getting one of the readings we need off the um, the uh, one of the uh, uh, motors, the one of the wings. Uh, we're just going to pull it back a little bit, fire it up, move it back in. We should be away under like an hour late. Okay. And then that doesn't happen. Then he comes over, oh, we're, we're talking to the engineers. Then, it, oh, we're talking to the people in Dubai. Next one, we're talking to the people at, like, whoever it was, Airbus. You know what I mean? So eventually, five hours, after five hours of sitting there, he goes, we're not taking off. He says, so you've now got a flight at 5 p.m. tomorrow. So this was supposed to be the morning of one day. It's 5 p.m. the next day. I quickly do the maths and realize that I will, be, I will not get to the event on time for its starting. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there's a chance I'll have to get straight off the plane with no sleep, a 24-hour journey, and teach, which isn't going to go well. So I, I, and it's that thing of, it, okay, got to solve it. So I turn to the stewardess and I say, right. Um, I goes, uh, there's got to be 200 odd people getting off this plane. Everyone's going to be asking uh, what happens. Uh, for me, it's vital that I get out today. I don't care which airport I go from. I don't care what it is. How do I get on a plane out of the United Kingdom to Melbourne today? And she said, right, okay. She said, there's nothing I can do, but when you leave this plane, you're right. There's going to be two, 300 people all hitting the ground staff. She says, pick up your phone and ring uh, the uh, help customer helpline now. So I ring the customer helpline while I'm still on the plane. I'm the only person doing it, and I can see other people looking at me going, who's he talking to? You know. Uh, I, I then get, get out of it, and I'm, I'm explaining to them at the end, I've got to get out today. We've got people coming from all over Australia. We've got the visas in place. We've paid for the flight. You know, This isn't me being a day late for my holiday. This event can't go ahead unless I can get out today she says right there's a flight later today out of manchester as well we'll get you there on time you'll miss a night's sleep but you'll still get you there she says but there's no spaces on it she goes so all i can suggest is ring back right and, and, and i said right okay I, I can do that i said but if if if, if, if there are spaces from planes on another airport then i'll take those she says well i, I can't see that at the moment but ring back i hung off i instantly rang back and repeat the same story to another guy he tells me the same story you know we're looking at it as soon as he spaces so again i'm working my way back to pick my luggage up because all that's been offloaded on the plane i ring a third time someone gets me there she says right yes there is a space yes you're booked on so I was the only person on that flight, and there was me and a, there was a couple on the honeymoon who the med, you know, the, obviously the med sure they got away okay. So so the, we were the only people. I even, I even got bumped up to first class as well because that was the only seat they had available. So so it went well as well. But, but it's a thing of if the problem um, pops up, it, it's got to be solved, and, and, I, and I'm pretty good at at, at at doing that kind of stuff. But but it, it, I mean it's it's rare that stuff like that. You know, it happens overall, considering how many I do, but they do happen. I've had things where, you know, weather, I just sometimes I've not been able to get there. You know, at one in Ireland where we were cancelled because of the, the beast from the east, if you remember that snowstorm that came over. Yeah. Yeah. So so that, that kind of thing happens, and, you know, sometimes you can't solve it, but other times it's just, yeah, just plug away until you can. So normally when I get the seminar, it's always pretty fine you know even if we have to teach outside in the car park for 20 minutes while we're waiting for the caretaker to turn up with the key you know or even if we have to run a little bit late at the end you know what i mean I'll, I'll make it right normally it's it's the logistical challenges of getting there that's issue planes trains and automobiles <laughs> <laughs> okay well that, that leads me to my, my next question um i've had that happen uh but i wanted to see how you have had it and how you know have you handled it where students challenge you or that they act in bad faith to make you look bad. And I'll give an example that um, you, you're going to show a technique against a, a punch and the guy has to throw a straight punch and then he throws like a hook punch or something or he does something else. Or did that, and then you, if you say something, they're like, yeah, but you, you always have to be ready. to that kind of stupid stuff, that <laughs> be, kind of stunts that people pull. If you had some stuff like that going on, 
No, I, I can't say that I have. You know, I mean, the, the um, I think again, not 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 at seminars. You know, what I mean, other places. You know, maybe, but not not at seminars because uh, most of the people that have spent the, the, the time and effort to turn up there are generally interested in what you've got to say. Uh, and, yeah. and 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 I'm, um, and one of the things that that, that I, I do make a point of because I realise uh, sometimes some of the things I'm saying uh, can be controversial. Not because I aim them to be; it's because they may jar against the orthodoxy or what people have done before. So I, it's it pretty much every seminar I do, I make a point of saying, "Look, I'm not saying this is the best way or the only way of viewing things. It's just my way. I want to explain why I think the way I think. If you think differently to me, and then that's completely fine. You know, I mean, there's, you know." doesn't matter what colour the cat is so long as it kills mice if you've got a way of doing things that's different from this but it's achieving the results you want then that's fine and, and I think once people realise I'm not challenging them then they don't feel the need to kind of challenge back you know you sometimes get that thing of like you say where I've, um, I've, I've wanted to demonstrate a certain technique or a certain method uh, for use in a certain situation, you'll get somebody who will go, well, well, couldn't I just do this, or couldn't I just do that? And Well, of course you could, but then we'll be talking about a different technique. You know, so, you know, yes, you could slip this punch, yes, you could kill this throw, and if you did, this would be the where we would go to next, but that's not what we're doing at the moment, you see. And in most cases, most people have been, been quite receptive to it, you see. I think as well, the fact is, I, am, I, I, my, my, I have a quite... Self-deprecating sense of humour as well, and, and I think that can help a little bit. If I'm making fun of myself, people don't feel the need to help. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, so so it's um, uh, I think that 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 kind of you know because you know we, I want people to enjoy themselves. I don't you know challenged in terms of make them reflect is good. Challenged in making them defensive, you know that's that's not really it. I I, I, I will get that on like um uh. uh in more open forums, like you do get that on YouTube and Facebook and things, um, where you get those more direct challenges, because I think sometimes people don't get the full context, or, you know, my sense of humour doesn't really appeal to theirs, or they've taken something different, so just, you know, that, that, and that's fine, you just try and learn from those, but no, I no, no, can't say I've, I've, I've had it happen at, um, at seminars, really, you know, apart from, you know, healthy debates, which are always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. okay, great, mm. great. So, uh, next one I've got for you then, Wim. So, um, th th I know, like, you know, I haven't listened to this, there might be some who think, you know, like, I've never done it, I've never, apart from helping existing students out one-on-one, -on -one, I've never really taught individually. So, if someone wanted to get into teaching individuals, um, what advice would you give them? Do they try and set up a group and draw students from there? Or is it better to reach out to the general public and, and recruit directly? You know, so how do they get started? You know, how do they develop a, um, individuals that can work with? How do they, how do they find those people? Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick to, to uh, the way you, you um, uh, framed the question here because uh, I'll give some more during the top three yeah, yeah. that we're going to do at the end. Um, but I would say uh, if you can do both, I think that would be a good thing mm -hmm. uh, because the way I actually got started is from group classes. I had a, a few people uh, that, that wanted to do some uh, individual training uh, and they made this this small group uh, of three guys that took uh, you know classes from me then outside of the regular classes. And that led to uh, being introduced to somebody else uh, who was interested in martial arts. And that was the very my very first personal training client that I would teach uh, individually. Uh, and that's a guy who I've been teaching for 25 years now. So, uh, and that's what started it all. 
So I, I can't say, um, you know, pick one or pick the other, but that's the way it went for me. So I think if you can manage that, that's great. If you have little or no experience in teaching, then, you know, rolling into it bit by bit is actually, I think, a good idea. Yeah. Maybe uh, be, become an assistant to your teacher if that's possible. Um, so you get bit by bit teaching experience before you have to fully, you know, carry a class on your own or carry a session on your own. And then, um, you know, as you get a little bit of experience, then then maybe, you know, set up shop uh, or, you know, so promoting your services as a as, as a trainer so you can do individual classes. And obviously you can you can let it know, let it be known in the group that you're teaching or that you're affiliated with. Uh, but but then, OK, once you once you think you're ready for it, just just go for it, reach out and uh, and try to recruit directly. Hmm. Brilliant. Excellent. It's um, sound advice. Okay, yeah, it, it, it it's. Uh, I've got more to say about advice, but we'll, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll do. I know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do top three teaching points at the end, so I don't want to push yeah. further in case I I draw them out already. But um, okay. yeah, we've, we've got them primed up and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, we're we're almost there. I think I've I've got the last question for you. Um, what do you enjoy most about teaching seminars? Uh, my uh, the, the minimum requirement for me is that um, people enjoy the time. So typically, they're giving up the the, the weekend, um, they're giving up time with the family, they're, they're giving up whatever other hobbies and pursuits they've got. So yeah, you know, I want them to learn something, but I also want them to enjoy the time. And I also think, you know, is when if I've got a group of sixty people there, you can be pretty much certain that someone in that group is having a pretty rough time in life at the minute whether yeah. what you know whether it's an ill family member job problems money problems whatever it is so if, if i can give them a little bit of a break from that and they can have a bit of fun and they can forget about it and they can have a laugh and a smile then then i've done it i've done my job you see so the thing that i i enjoy most is if, if at the end of the day i'm seeing 60 happy smiley faces who enjoyed the day felt like they learned something but had you know fun and leave feeling you know a little bit uplifted and good about themselves and they've had a bit of a laugh and a joke that that's that's what i enjoy the most i think is just seeing people enjoy themselves with you know that that shared passion you know so that, that's what it would be for me just seeing people enjoy themselves would be the thing i enjoy enjoy the most okay great uh, all right um that's it. I think we've. we've got I think we've covered all, all, all the questions we have. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, there's loads in that. I would I would hope for for listeners. But we also we thought we've alluded to it a couple of times. But we thought it might be fun just to do a a quick. Uh, we said like top three general teaching points. So we, we've both written three down. You know, three each. Um, so um, maybe if you'd like to start with your three, Wim, if that's all right, sure. and then we'll. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay, so um, here are my top three, and I will start with number one: be professional from the beginning. Um, so that goes back to your previous question, or somebody wants to start out with uh, with individual classes and personal training and so on. Uh, from the beginning, establish yourself as a professional. That means several things. That means the way you work, the way you make your opponent, uh, appointments, the clothing that you wear, and so on. Those kind of things. Um, th there has to be consistency there. Um, now, I'm not saying you have to dress a certain way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't show up with a stinking T-shirt <laughs> that, that that you didn't wash or that. I mean, nowadays, I, I, I only wear dry fit T-shirts because uh, when it's hot outside or when, you know, I might be working with a client and then I may be a little bit sweaty but not too much. Well, that's a huge difference with uh, the cotton T-shirts that I used to wear like 20 years ago. And, and I had 
uh, some days like days I would I would wear three t-shirts on a day, mm. and it might not have been fully you know drenched in sweat or anything, but it wouldn't smell right. So I would take it off, put on a new one, and and uh, use a deodorant, uh, and if possible, very quickly uh, wash up somewhere, um, so so that I would be fresh and 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 not like this smelly smelly guy that walks into <laughs> the house of a client, because uh, there's I mean that is something that would completely turn off your clients. Yeah. It's unprofessional. And that's one example. And there's many, many more so that from the get go, you establish yourself like, right, this is my job. So even it's also my passion. So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful and lucky that I've been able to do this for so long because I I get to teach what I love every single day. So that's great, but it's still a job. So you have to show up, be on, try to be on time, uh, which is extremely difficult in Belgium. (laughs) And I've said people are, our traffic is so horrible. I do the best I can, but you know, it, it's it's just it's gotten so to the point where it's crazy. Yeah, I was there um, last week, and I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just oh, let's not go there. We went by train. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the the thing is that um, it, it's also the way you you negotiate uh, the training fees that you ask. I'm not a used car salesman. Yeah, I I you you don't. Um, obviously, you make commercial decisions. If somebody trains uh, four times a week with you, obviously you give them a percentage of, of a discount for being uh, for, for for the volume of training that they take. So those kinds of things are fine. But I don't haggle on price. I'm like, this is my price, and if if you prefer, if that's you know too expensive for you, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, there are plenty of other uh, trainers out there that that don't ask the the same. Uh, you know, they're the cheaper than I am. Uh, and that's fine. It's, go right ahead. I, I don't fault anybody for that. Mm. I try to accommodate and say, look, okay, if you have uh, a limit in mind for, of uh, this is X amount of uh, money that I want to spend on training, what I often uh, suggest is, okay, well, we can we can instead of training, you know, twice a week, let's train once a week or once every two weeks. I will make you a schedule. I'll email you that, and we'll follow up and so on. There's there's ways around that, but um, I don't haggle on price. I don't do that. Because once you establish that you 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 can you know you haggle on price, that's the principle, right? So that 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 principle is accepted, and then the the sport starts with some people to always go as low as they possibly can, and that always ends badly for 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 me as a trainer because eventually they, they always push and push and push, and and you've got to kind of people who they love to haggle. It's yeah. just their thing. They buy something, they need to get a discount. And um, at a certain point for me, it's not worth it anymore. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to, this is where it stops. Whereas if we say like, okay, this is, this is a price that I think is fair for these reasons. Fine. And as being a professional, if you go into negotiations with somebody else, uh, it's going to be the same thing. If you have, uh, you're an electrician. So if you, if you um, show up somewhere, people want you to do a certain kind of work. You say, okay, this is a price. You can maybe talk a little bit, but if everything is a negotiation from beginning to end, you're like, I don't want this job. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, go yeah. get somebody else. So that's it. Be a professional. Uh, second thing, and perhaps the most important one uh, for martial artists to understand, it's never about you. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. You're there for the client, not vice versa. Yeah. And that that means many things, but mostly it means keep your ego in check. Um, don't humiliate clients or make them feel bad because they can't do a technique and for you it's so simple or you know don't argue with them over things I mean I've had I've had clients that I've known for many years that we argue about stuff like okay I disagree with you but 
you know, you don't you don't call them names, obviously, <laughs> and, and and you you, you stay polite, but that you don't have to, um, you know, agree with things you don't agree with, but that is not the same thing as saying that you have to argue with somebody over that. You, you you're there providing a service, so so it's not about you. No matter how much you'd like it to be about you, no matter how how awesome you think you are, or whatever you th- you 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 know and teach is, you think it's so awesome. You know, it's not about that. And somebody will find that total crap what you do. You'll find you'll get teachers, uh, clients, sorry, that you work with, and you show them, you know, whatever. I might teach them Tai Chi, and I think it's awesome. They think that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Or I might teach them MMA, and they they might be horrified that oh, this is so violent. So, it, well, I, I I'm not there for me. I'm there for mm. them. And uh, and that rolls into the final. Uh, point of my top three is that you have to adapt to the person in front of you and not the other way around. Yep. Um, you kind of have to be a chameleon. Uh, and, and that kind of flows into what you asked about the energy levels. Um, if if you have somebody who's extrovert, I've, I've got a client for many years, he's a great guy, he's very extroverted. And and he might shout during the, the um, uh, during the training session, a shot at me, oh, God damn it, just like that. <laughs> or he might just go into this, you know, he bursts out laughing, he's very extroverted. And that's fine. That's great. And and I am more extroverted with him than I, than I would be with other people. And that's great. And then the, the, to- the polar opposite that I once had was somebody that I trained who uh, hardly spoke. We would train for an hour and... I think if we spoke for five minutes in total, that was a lot because he, he it was strength training and he would do, you know, his set and I would correct some things. And in between sets, there was not a word spoken and <laughs> just nothing. It just, he didn't want to talk and it's fine. So that's the polar opposite and lots of stuff in between. And you start, you, you have to develop a way of, of um, communicating with different kinds of people, different characters and personalities. Uh, like you said, different energy levels and and adapt to that um i tell people obviously there's limits to that um you can't follow any any uh, simply any direction because you also have your own personality so you don't have to be that's that's a mistake i see a lot of beginning personal trainers make is they they, they they're fake they, yeah, they try to be someone to be else somebody yeah. else yeah. yeah and i tell people up front during that interview we have in the beginning it's like look i don't do the american style training that you see on tv like oh come on one more rep you can do it you come on don't give up <laughs> that's not me i'm, I'm not going to do that I will try to encourage you, obviously, but that's not the way I do that. I don't think um, here in Belgium many people would appreciate that. Maybe that works in the U.S., I don't know. But here, that doesn't work. If that's your idea of personal training, I'm not the guy for you. Yeah, yeah. However, um, you know, somebody who's uh, who's very introverted, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, all hyper in their face during a training session. <laughs> so, and, and I, it comes back to... You know, personal training, individual training, training for the individual. Well, who's that individual? Okay, well, give the best you can to that individual. And that means creating an environment and a way of teaching and so on uh, that is custom made for them. Not for me, not for anybody else, but for them. And and that's what I love about my job is that I, I get to meet people I would never meet in real life. Mm. If I were, I don't know, working in a bank or something, I would never meet these people. They they almost always have have an, have an you know a, a totally different life experience than I have, 
and they're always interesting people. They have different walks of life. I've got CEOs. I've got wives of CEOs. I've got their children. Uh, I've had artists. I've had athletes. I've, I've all over the place. But everybody's got a, an interesting story. So I, my job is awesome. I get to make them suffer, and then uh, <laughs> and then you know I get to know them a little bit better. Uh, but but it, that's what I mean is that it's not about me. So that's a chance for me to get to meet some some really amazing people, uh, and but I don't have to put myself on a pedestal or try to reach you know the same level that they are in whatever they do and 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 improve. Look look at me. I'm also great, right? Right? No, that's not about that. That's not what it's about. That's it. That was excellent. my top three. No, excellent. So can, can I recap those women just to make sure yeah. I've got them? So the first one was um, you, um, um, about being a being professional. professional. Yeah. yeah. Second one was uh, it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the third one about teaching to the individual. Have I remember those yeah. correctly? Yeah. So yeah, I, I like those a lot. They're, yeah, chameleon yeah. if need be. Yeah, but chameleon, that was the word you used. Yeah, and I like that. I like that a lot. So I, there's some crossover with mine. So I've, I, the, the first one I've got is... Um, that you should uh, know your subject matter uh, in great depth. Never stop learning yourself. Because, again, I think uh, I know some people, they, they become an instructor and then they just stop their own research, their own development, uh, their own training in terms of martial arts. And then that's a disservice to the, the students because once the student knows as much as you do, you, you're no longer helpful to, to one another. So um, my, my thing is, you know, I want to keep that enthusiasm, keep trying to learn, and therefore, you know, I've, that means I've got more and more to offer, and I know my subject matter in greater and greater depth, you know. So that, that's one, I would say, is never stop learning. Uh, the second one I would have is to, 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 making it fun. Uh, there's nothing wrong with using humour, and there's nothing wrong with being approachable. I think sometimes within that, especially in that traditional uh, karate framework, there's that role of the... Um, uh, what's the word? aloof sensei type you know and sometimes maybe in more modern martial arts you know you get that testosterone running mad thing you know so again just making it fun sharing a joke with people and being as approachable as possible personally i think you can get more out of people when you're like that but uh, um and then the third one i've got is training should be challenging but never overwhelming so you don't want people coming saying, yeah, this is the same class I did last week and the week before and the week before that, and I can do everything physically and technically that you're asking me to. But you don't want to leap to the other extreme where they're totally and utterly out of the depth. So I, I always think it's important to hit that sweet spot of, of, of if, if it's challenging to them, but it's a manageable challenge, you know, and then obviously as they adapt to that, then we can move on that little bit. So, yeah, that'll be my three. Um, know your subject matter in great depth and never stop learning yourself uh, make it fun there's nothing wrong with being uh, approachable and using humor and then the third one is changing should be challenging but never overwhelming uh, um, it's important to hit that sweet spot to keep students engaged and progressing which again would tie in with what you're saying about you know because what's challenging for one student is boring for another is terrifying for another so you know there's that element of individualizing your, your, your teaching as well to make sure it matches yeah. with the student's own development so so, yeah, hope there's something in that that uh, listeners find useful. I think so. I think yeah, we've covered a lot of different so. topics there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the reason when I pitched that idea to you about doing this podcast, uh, well, the subject for the podcast is um, I, I, I think that the overlap is, is definitely there when you look at what I do for a living and, and you know, the, the amounts of seminars that you do working with big groups all the time um, because – you might be in front of a group of 100 people, but there's still 100 individuals there. Mm. And like you say, you, you go around, you make the rounds and, and ask questions, is that okay, does that work? Then you're teaching individually. That's right, um, yeah. 
but so so the, the the crossover between what we both do professionally speaking i think is uh is is very very big and and i wanted to to get your take on on the the parts but but i don't spend as much time i mean i i, I teach seminars sometimes when people ask me but uh if i'm i haven't done that many in the last few years uh for a variety of reasons but I'm, obviously i'm always open to it but uh you have a so you have so much more experience with that that i wanted to pick your your brain a little bit about that and that, that was a lot of fun for me yeah, no, me, me, me too. And there is, I mean, although we may uh, express some things a little differently because of the, the groups that we're uh, working with and you know, the, the manner in which we communicate, there's a lot of, of commonality in there, which I'm sure that people will be able to pick up on as well in terms of, you know, we, we, we both put the students first, we both try and be as professional as possible, we're both um, self-critical in its best sense, you know, we're always trying to advance what we do and to try and make it better, trying to learn what works for one student may not work for another, so there's there's lots of things in there that I think um, uh, are quite interesting for me, and there's, there's a lot in there that you've got me reflecting over, so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, that's it. So we, we uh, this is fun. This we'll have to we'll have to have a think and we'll pick another um, yeah. similar such topic and then break it down like this because I always enjoy talking with you and it's, it just seems to be, it, it's good to have um, your ideas bounced that back to you and someone to bounce them off and I think it makes yeah. for interesting and, conversations for me and while we're doing them as we said before we may as well record them. <laughs> same here. You know, I appreciate a lot that you know that it's 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 fun. To talk to you because you, you do a very different art than I do. Um, you do many Japanese arts, I do many Chinese. So we, we come from a very different perspective, but still have a very similar mindset, I think, and a way of looking at the arts and and, uh, and practicality and so on. So it, it's always fun to, to talk with somebody who, who, who comes from that framework, but but has a very different background. Yeah, similar but different. Yeah, yeah. Arts. yeah. I think that's where, you know, I always talk about, you know, differences are just as important as the similarities. It's the differences that I'm mostly interested in, and and okay, how you do this, and 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 okay, I would do it this way. What do you think about that? I think those those are discussions that I that I really enjoy. Um, so so this this was awesome. Yeah, brilliant, and excellent. We'll we'll try to do it again, and and I think we did pretty good this time. We were aiming for July August, and we got you know it's September as we record this, so I think that's pretty good. Well, if if we're uh, generous to ourselves and we say end of August, <laughs> we're only nineteen days late. You know what that's I mean? Okay. So that, that, yeah, in terms that's of that's bad. when we've recorded it. When we get it out, <laughs> that might be another different, you know, another week or so. Yeah. But you know, I mean, all it's still we haven't done too bad. You know what I mean? So yeah. and to be and, fair as well, Wim, you know, I mean, just we can let them into this. I, I cocked up the. Day Date on this as well, so okay. it, it was it was supposed to be last week, but I, I'd written down wrong in the diary, so so yeah, we would have we would have been even sooner. Yeah, <laughs> seven days. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and before we we wrap up, uh, I just want to let people know that um, so you and I are going to continue recording for a little bit longer, and that's going to be a bonus episode on my Patreon page, and I'll put a link in uh, in the show notes then there. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'll do the same. I'll encourage people to check that out from uh, from my feed as well. Awesome. Thanks okay. for this, Wim. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ian. Take I care. Wim's always a joy to talk to, so I hope you enjoyed that. And as Wim mentioned, we did carry on chatting about a number of other topics, and you can find that uh, on Wim's website. It's available to his Patreon subscribers. 
As I mentioned in the introduction, I've got a number of podcasts lined up ready to come out, one of which is with Jesse Enkamp. Uh, we had a chat at the recent Karate Nerd experience about all things karate. It's a really fun conversation, that one. So I'll get that one out to you uh, soon, along with all the others. Uh, now, while I was chatting to Jesse, he's given us a secret discount code for podcast listeners. Uh, that we can use to get 15% off any new gi or any other session item that you're looking to get. And the uh, code, nice and easy to remember, is just BUNKAI. So it's just all capital letters, BUNKAI. So if you're wanting to get yourself a new gi or something, use that code and you save yourself 15%. So yes, um, thanks very much for listening to the uh, the podcast. Uh, I'll be back with more uh, soon. As I mentioned, you know, we've got lots lined up with uh, lots of uh, conversational ones and We've got about five or six recorded, ready to, to, to get out to you soon. So, yes, thank you very much for your support of the podcast. I'll be back with more soon. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye.